Hi there. This is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's word and the ministry of the Spirit. We're so grateful in our hearts for today. We're so grateful for the privilege of being able to gather at your feet. We say thank you, Lord Almighty, for how far you've brought us. We say thank you, Lord Almighty. All the glory be unto your name in the mighty name of Jesus. Precious Holy Spirit, even as we gather at your feet tonight, we say, Lord Almighty, give us revelation, give us understanding, give answers, Lord, to our questions in the name of Jesus. We pray, Lord, for Pidams, who's going to be taking the questions today. We pray that you give him um, wisdom and discernment, that Lord Almighty, the words that he speaks, Lord, our hearts will be open to receive them in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we say thank you one more time because we know that you are with us, you are in our midst. We thank you, Lord Almighty, even as we start and even as we take these questions and as we dive in, we just pray that, Lord Almighty, you are present with us. We pray that, Lord, you give us wisdom and understanding. We pray that even as we tabernacle at your feet, Lord Almighty, it will just be a time of refreshing. It will just be a time of um, us just fellowshipping with you and just being iron sharpening iron in the mighty name of Jesus. For in Jesus' mighty name, we have given thanks. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. So last week was um, our review session where we just heard from one another all the things that we've been learning. So this week, um, Pastor Dami will be answering, you know, all the questions that we've had regarding the past eight weeks of, you know, all the different but, you know, connected teachings around that same topic of um, spiritual warfare. So we'll be taking live questions first. So please, if anyone has um, any questions or anything to ask, please indicate on the group chat so that um, I can unmute your mic and you can speak then also if you don't want to speak maybe you have you want to just type in your questions you can drop your questions on the group chat if you want to be anonymous that's fine as well you can send your questions to myself or to um to non so so we'll just compile them in a list so i'm just going to start off with live questions so if anyone has you know any questions please um the floor is yours just indicate in the group chat please and um so that we'll just start with you. Does anyone have any live questions before I um, hand over to Pastor Dami? So just let me know if you have any live questions. Anybody? Anyone with a question to ask? Anyone at all? Mm, okay, so maybe while we're still gathering and while we're still preparing um, our questions, um, let's just welcome um, P. Dams as he takes on, um, you know, the first question for tonight. So I'm just going to read out the question and then I'm going to give um, Pidams the floor to answer that. So the very first question, um, it goes like this. So it says, based on the teachings, we see that human actions can invite spirits and such that the said actions now become easy and sort of, you know, on autopilot where you can just do those actions after a while. So this mechanism is similar to how habits operate. So the question is now, how does one differentiate between the operations of habits? How do you differentiate that from demonic or spiritual attacks? Or should we say that all habits are spiritual? And does this principle apply to addictions or OCDs, which may neither be good nor bad? For example, someone who has a mild OCD for cleanliness or um, arranging things neatly. So I'm just going to hand over to Pidams now and he's going to um, start off with that question. In the meantime, please, if you have any other questions, please do so to indicate in the group chat or message me or none so privately. Thank you. The floor is yours now, sir. Amen and amen. Thank you very much, Dola, for that introduction. And um, welcome, everyone, to tonight's Bible study. First, we had very fruitful days, and uh, I trust we had a good one. Okay, so um, so the question about, uh, before I go into the question, I'd like to encourage everyone here to, to, you know, participate, okay? That's the beauty of having this type of forum. Um, when we have very low engagement and participation on platforms like this, it doesn't encourage for that type of platform to continue. I, I imagine... Um, for example, what happened at the last live question? 
a lot of questions were answered in the hearts of people. And that was because someone dared to ask the question. Sometimes you're not even asking for yourself. You're asking for someone else. Or you're asking for yourself, knowing fully well that there are other people who would benefit from the answers to that question. So I encourage one, every one of us, if you have any questions, please reach out to Dola, send your questions in, and hopefully by God's grace, we'll get to answer them by the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, a few thoughts tonight um, regarding the question, yeah? There are a lot of ways I can respond to this, but um, funny thing is, some days back, it actually occurred to me that a lot of the things that we casualize and just assume are very normal and generic and uh, very, you know, commonsensical. Many of them are very much deeply rooted in spiritual. They're very much rooted in spiritual mechanisms. Okay. Um, let me start with Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. The Holy Spirit opened my eyes to this literally some minutes ago. I was just thinking about it, and the Holy Spirit opened my eyes to it. I'd like you to go there. I could quote it, but I would like you to just go there so that you can um, understand the context. And it's just a phrase I want to bring out from there. It says that, for we wrestle not against flesh, and blood. Can we hear me now? I got the feedback that it's it's low. Pastor, this Can is much better. Now? Very well. This is much better. Yes, sir. Hello, sir. Hey, this is much better, Pastor. Um, you know what? Let, so let me join again. Let me um, rejoin, okay? So you're perfect. It's okay like this. It's okay. You don't need to join again. Oh. <laughs> Hello, can we all hear me now? Hello? Yeah, this is better, Pastor. This is good. Fantastic. Okay, great, great. All right. So, um, the first phrase there says that, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Hmm. You know, that's a very powerful statement, you know, and I'm going to get to this question eventually, but I was just, you know, sort of establish this background. It says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And for Paul to say that, it means that many times when we assume that we are wrestling with flesh and blood, it's actually not flesh and blood we're wrestling with. You know, many times because principalities and powers introduce themselves into the natural realm through flesh and blood, sometimes it takes a lot of discernment and understanding how the spiritual world works for us to discern and understand that this thing that seems very casual, normal, habitual, natural, physical, that thing could actually be deeply rooted in a spiritual activity. Do you see? And so Paul said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That is, before I even begin to introduce you to what we wrestle against, I must disabuse your mind from the preconditioning or the subtle conditioning of your mind to assume that everything happening naturally is rooted in the natural realm. That is, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Sometimes flesh, flesh and blood doesn't necessarily mean human beings. It just means natural things. It just means things that are physical, things you can explain with science, things you can explain with psychology, things you can explain with you know, physics, things you can explain with chemistry, things you can explain with flesh and blood. He says we do not wrestle against them because ultimately when something is wrong in the spiritual, it has its side effect, its negative consequence in the physical. However, if you begin to now wrestle with that spiritually, you know, um, stimulated effect on a physical realm, because the effect of that spiritually stimulated action is seen only on the physical realm. By the time you now start wrestling in the physical, you already lost the battle because you are wrestling with the effect. You're not wrestling with the cause. The cause is deeply rooted in the spiritual. And so when you understand that life essentially is spiritual, 
it will affect significantly how you interpret situations and circumstances. Look at what Romans 8 says, for example. They that are after the flesh, do mind the things of the flesh. They that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. The most spiritual things you can mind, that's the most spiritual thing you can mind as a believer is the word of God. Now, when you begin to mind spiritual things, and then, for example, you allow that spiritual thing, which is the word of God, to affect and completely overhaul your thinking, your words, your action. Somebody on the external is looking at a guy who is simply doing natural things in a good way. Oh, this guy speaks so well. Oh, this guy acts so well. This guy is so humble. This guy is just being a nice guy. He interprets it through his own prism of natural interpretation. However, what you are doing is deeply spiritual. So you have wholesome habits, you don't say negative words, you don't curse, you don't use foul language, you don't, you know, say things that he would naturally normally say, things that have gotten into him as a habitual consequence of his conditioning, what he has hung around all his life, the things he heard growing up, and those things that he continues to say, not knowing that those things are actually spiritual strongholds that can build up into a very mighty, you know, Tower of stronghold in his life and keep him bound all his life. But you, because you have been, you know, attuned to God's word, transformed by the renewing of your mind, you mind the things of the spirit, you mind the word of God, you set your affections on things that are above, your habits are so spiritually fine-tuned, your habits are so spiritually oiled, so spiritually engaged. That even though on the external somebody sees a guy just living out his natural reality, you are literally fighting wars by just speaking right, acting right, choosing right, being right. And that's why I really want us to understand this world. So that we don't overly naturalize what is essentially spiritual. So that we don't just naturalize it. Yes, I can tell you for a fact that habits essentially right, have the mechanism rooted in the spiritual realm. Because why can someone not just decide to stop something if it is really just natural? Say you started it deciding, but to stop it, you no longer have the power to decide to stop. That has become a stronghold. Remember what Second Corinthians tells us in Second Corinthians chapter 10? Is it from verse 4 now? He says that um, we're, uh, the weapons of our spiritual warfare yeah, are not carnal. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. When you look at imaginations, they don't look like a spiritual stronghold. It just looks like a fantastic, you know, scientific thought that came to somebody's natural mind. But the Bible tells us that imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. These are spiritual warfare. These are spiritual strongholds. The weapons of our spiritual warfare, they are not carnal. They are not flesh and blood. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Who could imagine that strongholds does not appear like a horn or two-faced monster? It does not appear like a very huge dragon. A stronghold is an imagination is a thought, is a habit, is something you have given yourself to consistently, habitually. You started by deciding, but to stop, you, your decision is no longer sufficient to help you stop. And then you need a help. You need someone to intercede for you. You need someone to help you, to be accountable with you. You need someone to pray for you. You need someone to teach you God's word. You need someone to expose you to revelation knowledge that can break you away from that addiction, from that habit, from that pornography, from all of those tendencies. You need to actually begin to source habits and natural tendencies in the realm of the spirit. You couldn't find a truthful Christian, according to Titus. You couldn't find them. All of them were liars, slow-bellied, evil beasts. How did they turn into that, you know, bunch of spiritually warped people? It started as just a casual thing, you know. Um, back in secondary school, for example, once we have questions, please, let's, let's, let's push them because um, I'm working based on the question that I have. 
And once we have extra questions, Jola, please notify me so that I will know how to rush on the time to cover for um, the questions that we have. But in the absence of that, I'll just continue to share as the Holy Spirit will lead me, okay? So um, in secondary school, for example, we found it very easy to lie, right? It's, as a secondary school boy who went to Federal Government College of the Gold, one of the most notorious secondary schools back in the day, I mean, the seniors were brutal. I mean, things were ugly for <laughs> the average, you know, secondary school junior boy. It was ridiculous. I mean, I had a guy, I still remember his name, Ben Anikwe. This guy even had a limp, like he, 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 he had this funny thing on his leg. So I think he had a cast on his leg. So he always limped. He was very fragile. You know, he didn't look like someone that could face me out, you know, face me up outside the perimeters of Odogolu. I, I would beat the hell out of him. Like it was that fragile. But it was in SS3, I was in GSS3. And for some reason, I crossed this path. Something happened. I don't even remember the exact instance. But he started looking for me. They call it in secondary school back then. They call it setting for you. Like it's, it's senior is setting for you. That is setting a trap for you. Once you enter into that trap, you are done for. He will beat you. It was crazy back then. You see ridiculous punishment. People hung on on fans and be spinning. I mean, it, it was. I can't even begin to tell you the the kind of creativity that went into punishing students, right? So therefore, because of that level of attack and very vicious environment. Students also found ways, ingenious ways, creative ways to escape the traps of seniors. So you see a lot of junior boys, they were, ah, they were liars, including myself. We were all, there is none of us that can lift his hand and say, ah, me, I did not lie. And guess what? We are all church boys. We all went to church. We all went to chapel. But we did lie. We just lied. And guess what? The lie was so natural. You almost didn't have to think about it. Amen. You almost didn't have to think about it. Fantastic. A new question. Rape victims do have some um, emotional challenges. Could those challenges be somehow demonically influenced? Okay, I'll, I'll get to that. Okay. We, we all lied. We, we lied as a habit. It, it started out as, oh, ah, defense mechanism, oh, escape tactics, all of those things. But guess what? For those who refused to renew their minds with God's word, it became, it became a stronghold. I particularly, I know this guy who could lie. Like, he's almost on another level. This guy told us Two-Face and Genevieve were his neighbors. This guy would just lie. Like, when he's run out of life, then he'll create another bunch, another set, and he'll continue to peddle them. Nobody put pressure on him, but he would just lie. He would just go about distributing lies. And if we all knew he was lying. But he couldn't stop himself from just continuing to lie. That was how bad it had become for him. So guess what? Something that starts out as a natural habit, something you decided to do on your own volition, can literally grow to become a stronghold in your life. It can, it can start with an imagination. It can start with a thought. It can start with an action. And then before you know what's going on, you repeat it, you repeat it, and then you begin to attract the spiritual component of that habit. And because of what the devil is interested in doing with your life, he will continue to ensure that you are so full of that habit that then you are empty of the real thing, the word of God, and then begins to pull you in the direction of destruction. The devil will tempt you with anything that looks attractive to you. Temptation is not, is not, is not alluring if there is no attraction. So it may start with that which you like. It may start with PS5, getting addicted to PS5. I mean, what's the big deal in PS5? And then you're not studying your Bible anymore. You're not praying anymore. You're not reaching out to people anymore. You're not evangelizing anymore. And you become addicted. The, the devil has taken over that natural, seemingly harmless, natural affection you have for PS5. He's taken over it. And now you are now in his kitty, fully engaged with PS5. So you continue to give you the new versions. Get your girlfriend that will buy you the, the latest edition just to ensure that you are kept busy with what does not matter. Okay? I think I've said enough about that. And I hope that um, this you know, answers the question to a, to, a, to a certain extent, all right? So yes, these naturally or quote unquote natural casual things can be hijacked by the devil and be woven into becoming a serious spiritual stronghold in the life of a person. Now, when it comes to addictions, OCDs that may be neither good nor bad, um, the Bible makes it very clear that let your moderation be known unto all men. God is at hand. That is, moderation is a quality 
of those that will be caught up with God in heaven. That's what the Bible says, right? Because you wonder, why is he saying God is at hand? Why is he saying the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ is at hand? After encouraging us to be moderate. That is, when you're moderate, you're not trying to prove a point, all right? Why are you being extremely obsessed with getting everywhere so nitty, you know, so, so you're just very, what's that word now? You're just very um, irritable when you are around things that are not perfect. You're not God. So why, why get so obsessed with that? So you can say it's good, you can say it's bad, you can say it's neither good nor bad, but trust me, too much of everything is wrong and it, it can be bad. It can be taken advantage of by the devil. Anything that is not moderate can become a weapon in the hand of the enemy. All right, moderation is important. So do not be dirty, but don't become obsessed with perfection either. All right, moderation is important. Amen. So um, I hope that answers the question. Thank you. Um, okay. Okay. So the next question. Now, did I do some justice? I don't know who who sent the first question, but did my response do justice to your question? I'm sure a few other people learned some things from what I said. Uh, it'll be good to have your feedback as we go ahead. Okay, now rape victims do have some emotional challenges. Could those challenges be somehow demonically influenced? Wow. Um, instead of influenced, uh, I'll choose to use the word hijacked right they can be demonically hijacked so rape victims do have some emotional challenges and those challenges are real and i was telling someone recently i said the punishment the punishment for murder in the bible in the old testament is the exact same punishment for rape i i need to look for that scripture i need to look for that scripture because i found it out recently and it was very sobering um, um, I'm trying to look for it. Ah, forcefully. Let me, Pastor Mike, kindly help me. Fantastic. Deuteronomy 22. Yeah, found it. Found it. Found it. Good. So let let, let me read from verse 23. Right. Okay. Um. Okay. Verse 23 says, if a damsel is a virgin and is betrothed to an husband and a man find her in the city and lie with her, then ye shall bring them both out unto the gate of that city and ye shall stone them with stones that they die, the damsel, because she cried not. That is, a cry is a sign of lack of consent. And guess what? Her cry is heard by the avenger. Remember what I said about the avenger in the, you know, one of our series, you know, some weeks back. The avenger is the justice system of God in the Old Testament to balance the scale of judgment. So once he cries, the avenger recognizes it as this one is not consensual. So the man is the only one that should be punished. So um, the damsel, because she cried not, being in the city, and the man, because he had humbled his neighbor's wife, so thou shalt put away evil amongst you, from amongst you. But if a man find a betrothed damsel in the field, and the man forces her and lie with her, then the man only that lay with her shall die. But unto the damsel thou shalt do nothing. There is, aye, there is in the damsel no sin worthy of death, death, or death. For as when a man rises against his neighbor and slayeth him, even so is this matter. For he found her in the field and betrothed, and the betrothed damsel cried, and there was none to save. Can you imagine the magnitude of that offense called rape in the life of a lady? It's staggering. It's staggering. The Bible says that it is exactly like when a man kills his neighbor. When someone rapes another girl, you rape a lady. You literally just killed her. And anyone who comes back from a rape situation Guess what? The person was resurrected. Because the only way to get out of a death situation, if you were killed, is by resurrection. That's to tell you the height of God's power required to save someone who had been raped. And this is what so many men 
do so fragrantly, so flagrantly and so carelessly without any sense of responsibility. And the law has even found it extremely difficult to charge a person with rape. It's so difficult to charge a person with rape in Nigeria. And this thing happens literally every day. How many people are dying every day? Because some guy cannot control his sexual urge, his libido, and then he just finds the nearest or the most available lady and just inflicts death upon her. Many of these ladies never recover. So I, I tell you, this is God's perception about this, and it's a very serious issue. It's a very serious issue that needs to um, be carefully addressed. God can resurrect such a person, right? God can heal such a person. God can completely restore such a person. Thank God for resurrection. It's the same power of resurrection that has the same power to heal that person of that defilement, that emotional torture, that heartbreak. And the sad thing sometimes is that many rape victims would have preferred they were killed. You're here today and you are hearing me and you can relate to what I'm saying. The Lord wants to heal you, okay? The Lord wants to heal you. The Lord wants to transform your life. The Lord does not want your life to become a product of your past, a product of what happened to you. You don't have to be a prediction of your historical data. No, no. The Lord wants to heal you, okay? So open up your heart. Open up your heart. Those women would have preferred you killed them because if you kill them once, that's the end. But when you rape a woman, every time she remembers it, she's getting killed all over again. This is the gravity of that offense called rape. This is the extent of that violation called rape. You are stealing what does not belong to you. What God has given to that woman as a thing of pride, honor, and prestige, you take it by force. Steal, kill, destroy, partnering with the devil to ruin lives. That's from the pit of hell. All right? So please, um, those who've been victims of rape, they need a lot of help. They need a lot of emotional support. They need counseling. They need the word of God in copious amount. They need the renewing of their minds. They need transformation, right? They need transformation. And um, yes, the devil can hijack it. The devil can hijack such situations. So many of the people who are prostitutes today, they didn't start out in life looking forward to the life ambition of becoming a prostitute. Many of them were raped. The moment they got raped and they couldn't recover from it and start leading normal lives again, okay? The devil hijacked it and made their future all about their past. So he sentences them to a life of constant sexual abuses. And this time, they are no longer crying. They are no longer hurt. They're literally offering themselves to constantly be violated by men of various sizes, colors, and shapes. All right? And that's what the devil can do. He can hijack a rape situation and destroy life with it. Most of these ladies you see around who can't seem to be satisfied sexually, you know, slay queens, runs girls, prostitutes, whatever you call them, they need help. Many of them were violated as little girls and they never recovered from it. And the devil hijacked it began to influence their lives negatively because of that one singular event. So yes, they need help and the devil can significantly hijack such a rape situation. The Lord help us. If you find someone in that situation, please pray for them. Please refer them to the right people to counsel them, to help them. The woman by the well really was violated several times. All right. She had five husbands that she had, you know, been with and have dumped her. The sixth one that she was with, all right, was not her husband. But thank God she met the seventh man, which was Jesus Christ. Okay, so no matter how many times you've been violated, raped, there is a seventh man around the corner. You can, you know, hand over your life to him and he will transform your life. There is still that lifeline. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, so another question. Okay, um, praise God. Uh, Ablizi, can you hear me now? I hope I, I hope somebody heard everything I just said because those were really weighty. Okay, please if you can hear me, let know on the chat room that you can. Oh, fantastic! Thank you, Shia. 
All right. What do you do when? All right. What do you do when you are fighting loud voices of negativity in your mind, speaking against God, making you doubt God and who you truly are, even though you know the truth? They keep shouting lies at you. Um, so there's nobody that is void of these negative thoughts, okay? The most spiritual of us still have these negative thoughts. I, I, can, I can guarantee that, all right? The most spiritual of men still gets to, you know, have negative thoughts, swirl around his head, visit him, knocking the door, trying to gain entrance into his mind and get a stronghold over him, okay? so. Um, that really is not the problem. So the coming of attacks should never be the focus of, of the believer. Say, oh, I don't want these negative thoughts to come. You know, when the Bible says, you know, the shield of faith with which you quench the fiery darts of the enemy, what do you think are those fiery darts? <laughs> what do you think are those fiery darts? They are fiery thoughts, thoughts of hell, <laughs> thoughts that came from hell. Those are the fiery darts, all right? They're the fiery darts, and they are thoughts imaginations like i already explained their thoughts how many of us you know literally get hit by a literal physical fiery dart in this life except you're fighting a vietnam war or something there are no fiery darts literally like physically and even if there are not many of us get to experience that but every single one of us will be, will be barged with the fiery darts of the enemy their thoughts and the bible says it's the shield of faith you, and that's the choice of words that are very important. He says, with which you quench. That's important. He says, with which you quench. That means the only thing the fiery dart needs to meet is a soaked faith. Oh boy. What I'm sharing with you is so powerful. So your shield of faith cannot afford to be dry. Because a dry shield of faith will catch fire. Because when fire hits a dry shield of faith, that shield becomes foil for that fire. But a soaked shield of faith is what quenches the fiery darts of the enemy. So what do you do? You soak your shield of faith in the water of God's word. Oh, glory to God. You soak your shield of faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you soak your shield of faith in the water of God's word. Bible says that he might present her to himself a glorious church. That he might wash her by the washing of water by the word. Sanctify them by thy truth. John 17, 17. Thy word is truth. God's word is water. God's word is water. And you soak your shield of faith into water. To make sure it's always soaked. So guess what? For the soldier who has his shield of faith soaked in water. It does not matter how many fiery darts are thrown at him. As long as his own shield of faith is soaked, it will really not count. It won't hit him. It won't affect him. It won't, you know, destroy him because his shield of faith is soaked. It's the exact same analogy with Proverbs 24.10. If you faint in the day of adversity, it is not the adversity that was so powerful and so strong that it overwhelmed you. It is your own strength that was weak. It is your own strength that was weak. So if it is your shield of faith that is weak, then it gives power to the fiery darts. But when you ensure that your shield of faith is soaked in the word of God's word, and you are full of God's word, you are full of faith at all times, even when negative thoughts, which are the fiery darts of the enemy, when they come knocking at you, you are strong in faith. You have what to rebuke those thoughts with. Look at Jesus. Fiery darts came in the words of Peter. You will not die. You will not go to the cross. What did Jesus do? Get thee behind me, Satan, because you have not savoured the things of God. You are only savouring the things of the world. And he rebuilt the devil in Peter. You see, those are fiery darts. That fiery dart came from hell to quench the resolution and the conviction of Jesus regarding the cross. And Jesus recognized it immediately and he quenched it. Praise God. He quenched it with his understanding of God's word, with his understanding of purpose, with his understanding of what his destiny was really all about. And he quenched the fiery dart of the enemy. So you can't stop the fiery dart from coming. But you can stop them from hitting you. Praise the name of the Lord. So the stronger your shield of faith, the more soaked it is, the stronger your chances of quenching the fiery dart. So soak your shield. 
Okay, you can tag your enable them. Uh, you can tag your enable and tell them to soak their shield. Right? That that's the real that's the real deal. Soak your shield. Soak your shield in God's word. Soak your shield in God's word. All right, that's really what matters. Soak your shield. Soak your shield. Soak your shield in God's word. All right. Tag someone and tell them soak your shield. All right. Praise God. Soak your shield. Soak your shield. Absolutely. Yeah. Soak your shield in God's word. Adebola and Victory. You're always tagging each other. Huh? Tag me too now. <laughs> Praise God. Soak your shield. Yeah, that's what matters. When you soak your shield, those negative thoughts, those loud voices of negativity will lose their hold. Right? They will lose their hold. Praise God. They'll lose their hold over your life. Oof. So there's this very powerful analogy about an elephant that is tied to a post, to, a, to an anchor, tied to a post, right? So there is that, you know, chain. That chain is like a limitation around the neck of the elephant. You cannot untie the elephant from that chain, but there is something that can break it free from that chain, all right? It's the size of the elephant, all right? And how do you increase the size of the elephant? Just keep feeding it. Keep feeding it. Keep feeding it. At some point, the neck of the elephant will grow so large beyond the reach and the capacity of the chain. So what the elephant needs is not the chain to break. It's for it to grow. So once you continue to eat and feed on God's word, you are increasing your capacity. There are some chains that cannot hold you bound anymore. Because your capacity has grown beyond the circumference of that chain. It can't hold you together anymore. It can't hold you bound. It can't hold you hostage anymore. Because you are filled and full of God's word. Praise God. That's the biggest challenge of the devil. To get you away from God's word as far as he possibly can. That is only chance of defeating you. That is only ch chance of defeating you. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. Even our faith. Once your faith is strong and soaked in the word, trust me, the devil has no chance. You're already a victor. Praise the name of the Lord. So feed your faith, soak your shield. Soak your shield. All right. Yes, I'm, I'm getting to the question. Okay. Lastly, I, I find myself being really offended with some men of God, especially those I feel were involved directly or indirectly in influencing people's choice of candidates. That's Nigeria's election. I really respect their anointing, but I find myself continuously in a conflicting situation, a war of the mind, defending them sometimes, but really angry at their indifference other times. I hate this feeling because it seems like I'm being rebellious because it's not my place to judge, but I do not want to do, I do not, I don't know what to do to make it better. That's a good question. And, and I'm sure you're not the only one in that, in that situation, you know. Um, but what I want you to know is this. Every man at his best is still a man, okay? Still a man. You may not do better if you find yourself in that lofty spiritual position. Okay, we are all men. And sincerely, what I, what I, what I you know, try to do is to give them grace, all right? Is to give them grace. Because if I was in their shoes, I, what I can guarantee you right now is the fact that many of these men, as long as they're genuine men of God, Many of them have good intentions. I can guarantee that. If they ever endorsed a candidate, it's because they genuinely believe this guy had the best interest of Nigeria at heart. They, they won't endorse someone who will ruin the country in which they lead themselves, in which their ministries are founded, in which their children are schooling, in which their universities are standing. How would they want to endorse and, you know, ordain or, you know, approve a man who will ruin not just the lives of other Nigerians, their own lives as well. So you're not the only one that will be affected with their endorsements. They also will be affected. So you need to just trust that they did it in good faith, believing that this will turn out well. Let me shock you. The distance I trekked to vote for Buhari, right? President Muhammad Buhari. <laughs> the distance I trekked to vote for him, till tomorrow, I still ask myself, kill what ends? You know, like, like, why would you go that far to vote for this guy? Because there are seasons I feel like 
this person has just he's just not done enough to justify you know the choices of nigerians but i voted him in yes i'm partly responsible because i thought it was a quote-unquote better evil like they said back then oh at least it's better than the devil we knew <laughs> quote-unquote but guess what a lot of things are only better understood in retrospect you know there's something they call hindsight is always 2020. the vision you get in hindsight is always the clearest but it's clearest because it's hindsight if you are right in the middle of that situation you probably do not have perfect understanding of all things so as prophetic as these men of god are they are not god as spiritual as they are they are still men they make mistakes they endorse the wrong people sometimes they endorse the right person and the person messes up in the office so a lot of things can happen that somebody endorsed the person doesn't guarantee that the choice was wrong and that the choice you know which is right because it was not wrong it doesn't mean that that right choice cannot become wrong in the middle of his tenure. <laughs> so there are a lot of factors. There are a lot of factors that Someone is speaking. Hello. Looks like someone else is speaking. Okay. 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 All right. So, um, like I said um give them grace trust god keep praying for nigeria and god is wise enough to not allow um the destiny of a nation depend on just one person's endorsement okay so god is actually the one in charge of the affairs of this country so do not overly put more responsibilities in the hands of leaders spiritual leaders more than they can bear all right one man is not responsible for the fate of this nation god is too vested in this country to allow one person's endorsement affect or tilt the scale of the balance and the destiny of this nation. No, no. He may use people, he may use someone's endorsement, but God is still the one literally in charge of the affairs of men. Daniel 2.21 makes that very clear. He's one that enthrones kings and dethrones kings. He's one that changes times and seasons. All right? He knows what he's doing. So ultimately, trust God. Trust him. Trust him. All right? Don't put more responsibilities or too much responsibilities on men of God than they can bear. All right? So please let go and let God. <laughs> okay. Um, here is a question: Is karma real? And is is karma real? And is even allowed in the Bible? Okay. For example, if someone owes you money and has refused to pay and even blocks you and you can't do anything about it, what do you do as a Christian? Cast and bind, or just forget about it? Okay. So this is the last question we'll be responding to. All right, because I mean, these are very interesting questions that I believe a lot of us have learned from. Um, but this is a very interesting question that I really need to address, okay? Um, karma, we won't call it karma, okay? That's not a Christian language. Um, karma is rooted in Hinduism and Buddhism, okay? So, because Buddhism is a derivative of Hinduism. So, karma is rooted in those two religions and worldviews. And it's not a Bible term. It's not a Christian language. However, there is something called harvest. <laughs> There's something called harvest. So the Bible says in Exodus 8:22 that as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest shall not cease. All right, cold and you know summer, winter, you know, um, and all of those seasons it says it will not cease. And then Galatians chapter 6, I believe verse um, 6 and 7 thereabouts, it says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he reap. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he reap. Now, I need to differentiate this thing because in, in one of the books I'm, I'm, I'm writing recently, I had to address this significantly. And it's the fact that God does not judge a sin on a curve in a very spiritual sense in the sense that if all the sin the whole world could commit was lying jesus would not have died a less grave and grievous and harmful and hurtful and you know just look for any word all right and hateful death it wouldn't have his sufferings wouldn't have reduced by any ounce if all the sin in the world was just lying that means it's not the gravity of sins that make sin grave. <laughs> Do you understand? 
sin by itself, God cannot condone it. And the kind of sacrifice that saved a murderer, a persecutor, a blasphemer, like we talked about on Sunday, is the exact same sacrifice that would save a liar, a, a, whether it's a white liar or a black, it doesn't matter, a liar, look for any kind of quote-unquote inconsequential sin. It's the same kind of sacrifice that saved a blasphemer, an injurious persecutor, a killer, a murderer, that will save that person as well. So in a very deeply spiritual sense, there are no sins graded on the curve. However, we are not in heaven, we are on earth. On earth, sins have varying degrees of consequence. And it's reflected largely by the constitution of any nation, right? That, you know, there are different, you know, consequences to different kinds of offenses. So there are capital punishments, there are corporal punishments, there are regular stuff, there are things you don't even go to court for, you just arbitrate it and you move on. There are things you have to go to court for. There are things you have to, you know, file. Do you understand? Because of the gravity. And that's why the Bible will also say that every sin a man sins is outside of his body, but the sexual sin is against his own body. That is, there is a higher degree of consequence for sexual sins regarding your earthly experience on earth. Okay? So that's why in the law as well, there were different degrees of sin or different degrees of recompense or remission or what do we call it, restoration or atonement, that's the word, atonement for varying degrees of sin. One will just require a pigeon, another will require a turtle dove, some will require a goat, some will require a calf, some will require a proper full cow, all right? Just to atone for a particular sin because all sins are not the same with respect to their human consequences. We just talked about rape, we just talked about murder. Those are high degree offenses as far as earthly consequences are concerned and bible says as far as the earth remains so that law is earthly as long as the earth remains seed time and harvest shall not cease. so whatever a man sows that he will reap the only person that has the capacity to circumvent the law of seed time and harvest is god and that capacity is called mercy. That capacity in God to make sure someone does not reap the consequences of his actions is mercy. Only mercy can make it happen. That's why the Bible talks about the mercy that prevails over judgment. Because there's judgment for every offense. For mercy can prevail. Mercy can prevail. Okay? Mercy can prevail. I know of a story of a family who lost... Uh, a, a child and the mother of the family refused to uh, fight for herself she let it go she forgave because listen the capacity to judge is in god's office the capacity to avenge is god's responsibility let go god is a better avenger than you could ever be except by the mercy of god whoever sows will reap if you sow good you will reap good you reap if you sow evil, you reap evil. All right. Bible says if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. So this woman forgave. She let it go. She didn't pray that God will punish her enemy. But because that prerogative of avenging, vengeance is in God's capacity, is in God's office. God will avenge. You don't need to ask Him to avenge. Your own is to forgive. You let it go. Forgive. Don't look for the person's downfall. Don't pray that the person would die. Don't pray for the person's children to die. No. Just let it go. Because that person, that family, you know, um, lost a child. And that child was killed by someone who the mother knew. Right? The mother knew who killed her child. And she let it go. Do you know the gravity of that? That someone killed your child. You know the person who did and you let it go because the person did it out of jealousy and envy and you just let it go can you imagine that but guess what god was watching that person will you repent will you repent will you repent kept giving the person grace will you repent the person did not repent so mercy could not be applied because the person did not repent so what happened the person grew of course i mean sorry the person had her own family had her own husband right had a couple of children, had a maid, 
was pregnant with another child. In one day, all of them died. All of them died in one day. Huh? <laughs> That's scary. Bible says it's a fearful thing. And this is not found in Exodus. It's not found in Leviticus. It's not found in Zephaniah. It's found in Hebrews. <laughs> the, the, the newest of creation realities, <laughs> if there's any word like that. The Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of God. The same Hebrew says, our God is a consuming fire. The same Hebrew. So that tells you something really profound about God. God will always balance the scale of judgment, except for mercy. All right? So, um, back to the question. Is karma real and is, is he allowed in the Bible? For example, someone owes you money and has refused to pay and all of that. What do you do as a Christian? Cast a vine or just forget about it? Your role is to forgive, forget, love, and continue to love. The, the, the responsibility of God is to judge. He will judge. The timing of the judgment is in his care. The fact that he will judge or not or have mercy is in his care. So you just may never even know whether the person will reap what, you know, the evil they sowed to you. And you should not rejoice in the fact that the person reaped the evil. That should not be your, your excitement. Your excitement should be that you kept loving the person and through you the person thought, you know, it's wise to repent and give his or heart to Jesus. That should be your utmost joy and you know, um, and delight. Not in the fact that this person did me evil and God recompensed him. Ah, this person, ah. That, that doesn't sound like a godly desire, all right? You need to know this, the kind of spirit you are of. But whether or not God will balance this, forget that one, he will balance it. He will balance it. So whatever a man sows, that he will reap. So make sure you are sowing only good things because that is also very guaranteed that you will reap good. In return, praise the name of the Lord. I have come to the end of my responses to these questions. Zola, over to you. But let's say a word of prayer before I hand over to Jola. Father, I thank you for tonight. Thank you, Father, for the utterance. Thank you for the wisdom of God that was available here tonight. I ask that everyone under the sound of my voice is blessed, that I strengthened and encouraged and established in this present truth. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen and amen. Wow, what a word. For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at Park Point Tribe.